It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Introducing Built to Last, a new podcast by American Express. I'm Elaine Welteroff, and I'm excited to host the debut season where we will be deep diving into the stories, history, and continued legacy of small businesses that shape American culture. Through these important conversations, we'll hear how the Black business leaders of our past have inspired today's Black-owned small businesses and communities. Join us for the debut season of Built to Last on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. What up and welcome into the final Locked on Bengals podcast that I will do. I'm James Erpine. It is great to be with you. Joe Goodberry coming up in about 60 seconds or so on Twitter at James Rapine and at Locked On Bengals. And even though this is my last podcast, Locked On Bengals will go on. So subscribe to it. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcast. Not sure who's going to host it yet. Not sure what the future looks like. I do know the pod's going to continue. So stay subscribed. Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout for news. It'll be announced. Uh, in, I, I, I'm telling you right now, I talked with David Locke in person last week. Locked on Bengals is in good hands, and whoever replaces me will be good and will uh, bring you daily Bengals content. Uh, get the Joe Goodberry in just a second. First, uh, it's, a, it's a bittersweet day. I'm not going to lie. It's a final podcast. And uh, over the past three years, three football seasons, 2016, 2017, 2018, I get it. The, the Bengals lost all three years. I'm the jinx. They're going to be great now. Uh, but over the past three years, it's been a lot of fun getting to know you guys, listening to your voicemails, tweeting back and forth, emails, direct messages, which are still open. Um, and, and I've kind of had fun over the past couple of weeks with the villain role. Uh, but And I'm going to continue to do that, by the way, on Twitter. But that being said... I assure you deep down, I still want the Bengals to do well. I would like nothing more than the Steelers and Ravens to suck so the Bengals and Browns can reign supreme in the AFC North because that's never happened in my lifetime, uh, and I'm not sure it's ever going to happen. So if it started next year, that would be great. Uh, so thank you for listening. Uh, more on that in a bit, but let's be honest. You want to hear from Joe Goodberry. You want to hear about the breaking news that a bunch of different outlets reported yesterday. I think Andy Furman had it first. Elise Jesse had it, and then the, the national – Outlets got it too. Schefter, Rappaport, etc. The favorite to become the next Bengals head coach is Zach Taylor. Katie Blackburn, Troy Blackburn really wanted him, according to reports, and it feels like that's going to happen. Now, Taylor is the quarterback's coach for the Los Angeles Rams. They don't want to disturb that, and that makes a lot of sense. So they didn't sign him. They haven't broken anything. They haven't made anything official but it sounds like Zach Taylor is going to be the next head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. For more on that, we welcome in Joe Goodberry, who's on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Check out his work in The Athletic. We talked about the draft yesterday on the podcast. Did some really good draft stuff with uh, Dwayne Haskins, uh, with the Duke quarterback, who I keep forgetting his name. So that means that the Bengals are definitely going to draft him. I know it's Jones. Just um, like Zach Taylor. Yep. And uh, no, I forgot Shane Waldron. Shane Waldron, that's who I forgot. Zach Taylor, I remember from that great 2016 Cincinnati Bearcats offense. But uh, yeah, check out Joe's work in The Athletic. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Back-to-back days. Look at you carving out some time for Locked On Bengals. Let's uh, let's talk about the Zach Taylor potential hire. Um, First with optimism, because you're more optimistic about this than I am. Why do you like it? I like it because I wanted the same things throughout the process. And I wanted it for the last couple of years. I had a day of let go of Marvin Lewis. I wanted 
uh, to get younger at that position. I wanted to um, have have somebody come from an offensive system or the offensive side of the ball. I wanted somebody that worked with quarterbacks, and uh, Zach Taylor brings all that, and it's an added bonus that he comes from one of the most fun offenses to watch, and uh, that he comes from Sean McVay's tree, and uh, people are going to knock that and say, well, you're just picking people from Sean McVay's tree, but good. that's how good coaches happen. That's why we have coaching trees. That's why it's referenced all the time, because these things are common practice in the NFL. Uh, so he had all the qualities I wanted, and while I wish somebody had more of a background or prestigious you know, history, I would say that if you look at all the young coaches that have been hired around the league in, in history, whether that's Mike Tomlin or John Gruden or even Sean McVay, they don't have a long background for you to look at because they're 31, 32, 33, 34, 35 years old as Zach Taylor is. There's just not much opportunity to really have that background. So it's a scary process, but at the same time, they gave me what I was asking for, so I am going to go forward and be happy with it. And totally so proven it. otherwise. Totally get it. I get it. I, I understand. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to start with this. And, and to me, this is optimistic. Look, uh, when Marvin Lewis was hired, I was 11 years old. Um, I've watched him coach some really good teams, 20, 2015, 2005, 2009 was a lot of fun. Um, and some disappointing teams. Uh, 2006 comes to mind. Uh, 2000 and 16, 2018. No, those teams come to mind, right? They're fresh on our minds, but it's true. So different, while it isn't always good, different is good in this scenario because it's different because we've seen the same thing over and over and over and over again. Same results, same lack of player control, lack of discipline, same failures in the playoffs. All of those things have happened and happened and happened and happened and repeated and rinsed and repeated and rinsed itself. So I get it. I get it. And if you're a Bengals fan today, I'm not going to blame you or knock you for being excited and optimistic about the unknown, about a guy who's different, innovative, potentially. It comes from an innovative offense in, in Los Angeles. Here's what I will say, though, is I'm worried that the Bengals and really the NFL, and I wrote about this for 92.3, the fan, ha has taken – the bait here, especially the Bengals, the way they're run. Uh, you, you look at Sean McVay, right? You you would say you, you would love to have Sean McVay right now, Joe, right? Like of you course. would every fan base outside of a couple coaching staffs would love to have Sean McVay. That being said, and we talked about this yesterday via text, the Rams were the anti-Bengals the past two years, not just with going young, offensive, innovative, rolling the dice on someone like Sean McVay. But what they've done in free agency, what they've done via trade, what they've done in the draft to even get the two cornerstones in uh, Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. I mean, they've been aggressive. So to me, the key to this entire thing, and to their credit, maybe Troy and Katie, along with Duke Tobin, and now Zach Taylor, assuming that's who does get this job, if that is the case— Maybe they convince Mike to take another step back. Maybe they do become innovative. Maybe they do go for it and become aggressive and trade and get go after free agents, et cetera. But as good as Sean McVay's been, a lot of that has to do with them going out and getting all of the talent they've gotten from Brandon Cooks to Ndamukam Sue. And I know he's had somewhat of a down year, but still. Uh, Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, uh, the list goes on and on and Robert on. Robert Woods, Andrew Whitworth. It, yeah, Whitworth. Yeah, why would I forget Andrew Whitworth? John Sullivan at center. Yes. Um, instead of reaching on a center in the first round. So to me, 
that is the key here. Um, and it's the key with any coach. Look, Hugh Jackson, I thought he was a good head coach when he got signed by Cleveland uh, three years ago. I thought he was going to be good, right? What happened? They got rid of all the talent for two years. He went 1-31, and and I know some of that was Hugh's fault, but that's the case. If you don't give Zach Taylor, ta Taylor talent, that's going to be the case. So to me, that's the bigger question for me. Um, not whether or not he can coach, I, because I have my reservations about that. We'll get into them. But will this organization be aggressive? They were aggressive in getting a, a young head coach that's a much, much different and kind of puts them in and gets them out of their comfort zone. Will they continue that theme throughout this process into the offseason? That's the question we've had for the last 16 years and beyond. You know, um, So it's hard to answer that, and it's, it's, it's fair to bring it up and fair to question it because I bet – Anybody who may have looked at this opening, any other coach, may have said the same thing. Are they going to support me in the way I need to be? And uh, they've shown they haven't always done that. They will retain their players for the most part, but they're not going to actively go out there and you say, well, I need a starting right tackle or the offense is going to really be hindered. They'll say, well, we've got Andre Smith out there, and and you know that's what they've done. And instead of going and attacking the position with full force, the way some of these teams would and the way that Rams did by going out and getting Andrew Whitworth and all the players you've named. Um, so, yes, that is the question, and that would be the fear. And uh, as things are changing in the league and you wonder when that horizon is for the Bengals and when they change and, and turn over from Mike Brown to Katie and Troy Blackburn, and when you hear the reports that they that it was Katie and Troy that wanted this this coach to – if they, they wanted Zach Taylor, and that's ultimately who it's going to be – uh, you wonder if the horizon's a little bit closer than we expected. And, and if it is, then maybe there's even more room to be optimistic to say, well, maybe they will change. Maybe they will attack free agency different. Um, a young coach coming in should be he lean heavily towards the analytics side of football. And having more information because of the analytics helps a small scouting staff and a small, small scouting department gain more information and feel more comfortable bringing in outside people. So, and this, this is players and coaches. So, um, there's reason to be optimistic about it. But yes, that is the question, and will remain the question until we are proven otherwise. Yeah, and Joe Goodberry with us of The Athletic. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. I woke up to a text today um, from Zim, who I know you're aware of on Twitter. He's a huge Bengals fan. Um, Instagram, big on Instagram as well. Uh, and some of you guys have probably read him or followed him on, on Instagram and stuff. He worked uh, and wrote for LockedOnBengals.com. And he's like, man, don't crap all over us today. And I don't want people to take it that way because it's not personal. It's not because I moved to Cleveland. I'd feel the same way right now if I was sitting in ESPN 1530 studios back in Kenwood. It, the, the idea that uh, that Zach Taylor is the answer, I don't know. And to me, my concerns are that he's never proven it. Like, and that, that doesn't mean just because you proved it elsewhere doesn't mean you're going to be successful when you get to the new gig ever in any industry. But it's more reassuring, right? It's it's more there's more resume to base it off of. So what I think is interesting about the NFL and the Bengals, if they are indeed going with Zach Taylor, and I think they are, I, I think at this point, the fact that it's out there, it's probably going to happen. Um, but if that's going to happen and it's going to be Taylor, you look at his resume, and it just does not add up. It doesn't stack up, and that to me is concerning because experience is invaluable. Joe, you're better now at breaking down film than you were six years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm better now, and you might not think I'm good, but I'm better now at podcasting than I was a year ago at this time or when I started the Locked on Bengals podcast. Not even close. So experience is invaluable. 
and he doesn't have a ton of experience. He's never been a head coach at any level. He's been a coordinator in college for a full season and for five games for the Dolphins. I get it. He's from that Sean McVay coaching tree, but I have concerns. I have reservations, and I think that that's fair, and I think as a fan, it's okay, even though he's different than Marvin Lewis, to still be concerned. It doesn't mean you don't like both. I love that it's not Marvin Lewis and it's someone different. It's interesting. At the same time, I'm also concerned about who it is. And I think you can be both. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And it's fine to say. Um, it's not often that these young coaches really get hired like this. So it's hard to compare them to these guys that are 45 and 50 that get hired for the first time. And you and you can look and see an extensive background that uh, from college to sometimes CFL and NFL teams, half the league sometimes, and, and multiple positions coached, and, and they've had coordinator positions multiple times. Uh, you see these guys. They, they get hired every year, and, and lately it's been, well, we want the young guy. And you see teams do this, and it's the first-time head coach. And teams want to strike it big. Um, and honestly, when I look at Zach Taylor's resume, and it's not very extensive, and I I forget who tweeted it yesterday. They listed a bunch of other successful young coaches that were hired at 32 and 33 and 34. And the one that caught my eye was Mike Tomlin, because I remember the Steelers fans feeling very similar in the situation. It was coming off of a Super Bowl year. Bill Cowher retired. Uh, Mike Tomlin was a graduate assistant at Memphis in 96. And then he worked at Arkansas State as a position coach. He went to Cincinnati as a defensive backs coach for a year. He went to the Buccaneers as a defensive backs coach for four years. From there, he took a defensive coordinator job for the first time one year with the Vikings. As a defensive backs guy, they had the 32nd ranked pass defense. And he got hired to be the, the head coach after that for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's it's worked out. I mean, it's been since 2007 now, and I'm not saying it's going to be like that. But go read John Gruden's uh, profile, and he mostly coached. He was mostly an offensive assistant, um, did some quarterbacks, did some wide receivers, then got an opportunity to be an uh, offensive coordinator for two years. And that's the thing about Taylor, too, is the Rams don't really have an offensive coordinator. So when we see it, it's like, well, it's a position coach to go into a coordinator. That's that's pretty rare. You don't see that too often. And uh, and that's true. But at the same time, the Rams have, we as we discussed with Shane Waldron, a passing game coordinator. And they have and, and Zach Taylor's in that in in that room with him, um, building this scheme with with Sean McVay. And Sean McVay calls the plays. And it's very similar to what they're doing with the Chiefs. And everyone wanted Eric Bieniemy also. And he doesn't call the plays. And he's more of the run game guy, where Andy Reid builds the off the, the passing offense. And that's how teams are starting to go where they'll have a run game coordinator, a passing game coordinator. They can have the same thing on defense where you have a safety coach and a corner coach. You just it's getting specialized and split up more and more in the league. And I think there's going to be an adjustment period for fans to realize that those guys have their hands in building the offense. They may not call the plays and Zach Taylor may not call the plays depending on who he brings in as coordinator. So, you know, it's hard to knock him on that yet if that's not going to be his job. So, um, I, there is reservation and concern anytime you see a guy like this. But at the same time, for me, I'm choosing to be open and see who these coordinators are. Because, like you said, experience matters. And we talked yesterday's podcast. A lot of these young coaches that have had success or first-time head coaches that have had instant success, they surround them, themselves with veteran 
coaches. And if Zach Taylor can bring, uh, let's say, a Bill Callahan, who's the offensive line coach for the Redskins that wants out right now, and if you can bring him over to be the coordinator, he's got coordinator experience, he's got like 25 years of offensive line coach experience, one of the best in the league, well, that's an asset. A guy who's had head coaching experience with the Raiders and who's had coordinator experience and is one of the best O-line coaches, that would help boost up your offense and make you feel better about a signing. So, it, there's still a lot to go. And, and as he rounds out his staff, we can still feel much better or much worse. If he brings in a bunch of no names with guys with, with no experience in the, both coordinator positions, I'm going to feel much worse about the signing initially. So um, I'm with you, James, in, in being reserved. But at the same time, we don't know how, from where we stand right now. Yeah, you're right. And it's fair to say that. Absolutely. Uh, he's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I'm James Erpin. This is my final Locked on Bengals podcast. We want, or I want to dive in, Joe. With you about a bunch of stuff from what what the future could hold for Andy Dalton, what this could mean for the offense, and a bunch of different stuff like that. But first, let's talk about the coordinator jobs. Because you're right. To me, and, and you mentioned this when we talked about it, it, Sean McVay, what did he do? He surrounded himself with really good coordinators. I think Vance Joseph should be in that mix. We talked about it yesterday. Greg Williams should be in that mix. Um, to, in I also look, and someone that's interviewing here in Cleveland for the offensive coordinator job is Todd Munkin. Yeah. That, would, that would be a guy, if I'm the Bengals, that I try to go get right now. He's probably not going to call the plays up here in Cleveland. Why right. not try to scoop him up and say, hey, we're going to offer the job to Zach Taylor. Hold tight. We want you to be the offensive coordinator. You know, If you talk about Munkin as OC, uh, Vance Joseph, Greg Williams, someone like that that's established – uh, as defensive coordinator, heck, maybe it's uh, the who was the head coach for the uh, the Cardinals this past year? Um, Wilkes, Steve Wilkes. Wilkes, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, like to me, like if you can get someone like that with even a year of head coaching experience, sure. a Greg Williams, a head coach, you know, Vance Joseph, a head coach. I think that could help Zach Taylor with the day to day stuff. You know, it's interesting. That yesterday, interesting for sure. Yesterday, I didn't mean to cut in there. I thought you were done, but yesterday we talked about how the Gary Kubiak getting denied um, was a sign that maybe they zeroed in on Vance Joseph, right? Because of their connection. But uh, Zach Taylor has a connection with Kubiak's son. And I, and when, and afterwards I said, Oh, maybe he said in the interview, well, maybe we can bring Gary Kubiak, obviously a guy with head coach experience can call plays and be an offensive coordinator. And that would make me feel much better if that still worked out that way. Uh, obviously I don't think it's going to cause the Broncos value Kubiak, but if in an interview, and we talked yesterday again about this, that he comes in and says, well, I want this guy and this guy. You know, it's less about the Bengals um, saying, well, we want to pair Todd Monken with Zach Taylor. It'd be more about Zach Taylor saying, well, I know this guy or this guy would work well with me or because of our agents know each other. You know, I want to give this guy and I, we know each other and I want to give this guy an opportunity. Uh, his brother is the quarterback's coach for the Eagles. He was a assistant the last few years and I could see him coming up. There's a great piece on SI about the two brothers and how detail oriented they are and football focused and always knew they'd, they'd end up in coaching. And, and um, so that would be interesting if he's brought in, but then there's two guys now that are, cause you'd have to make them a coordinator to make it a step up. That would be a situation where you've got two guys who've never called plays. And that's where that's, that's the scenario I was talking about where I would get a, a little concerned. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And Joe Goodberry's with us. Yeah. I, Look, I, it's different. 
I just don't want to fall in love with different because it's different. If you have a, you know, if you have this, this ex where it just didn't work out and you're together forever, ever and ever and ever, and it feels like it's never going to end and you finally split up, that doesn't mean the next person you date is going to be the one. Um, and I don't know. I'm just worried. I, who knows if Katie Blackburn knows what the hell she's doing from a hiring coach's standpoint? Who knows if Troy knows? I don't know that. I don't know the answer to that. So like this anti-Mike Brown, hell, Mike Brown played college football. Mike Brown's been around football his entire life. I, you're telling me he doesn't know anything? You might disagree with what he knows. I just, I'm I'm concerned. I'm concerned at the NFL. I'm concerned that this is going to blow up. And there are eight head coaching vacancies. I think Bruce Arians was far and above the best one that's been hired. And I know there are two that still haven't been officially filled. But And I don't even know if he'll have success in Tampa Bay because that's a really tough division. But to me... This is, uh, I don't know, this is an interesting time in the NFL. Like Cliff Kingsbury, I don't see him succeeding. I'm sorry, I just don't. The the Lafleur in Tampa or in uh, in Green Bay, I don't I don't know if that happens either. So, it it is interesting though that the Bengals follow the trend because they haven't done that in the past. Usually they they, they go the opposite, right? right. While the NFL is doing everything one way, they're like, eh. When everyone's zigging, they're zagging. Yes. So it, it's it is interesting, and and I don't think. Long term, I don't think anyone's going to blame them for doing that because it's the way the NFL is going. I just I have really deep reservations about that, about it in general. Um, and maybe once they hire a staff and the coordinators, um, it, it will ease my my feelings. Heck, if they draft a quarterback in round one or round two in the next couple of years, uh, it might ease my feelings. And it, it might work out right away. Maybe they're aggressive in free agency and the whole organization is now turned over to Katie and Troy. I don't know. Uh, but, but to me, it's just, uh, I'm going to pump the brakes before I say it's, this is the greatest thing ever because Marvin's gone and we have this new young, innovative, uh, offensive coach because the track record isn't there. And if the track record isn't there, I have nothing to go on to be excited about. Think of all the offensive coaches that were hired. Okay. Adam Gase, he worked in the Brown with the Broncos, Peyton Manning, he went to the Dolphins had mixed results, kind of was a, a dickhead when he was there. And then he went to the the Jets. So would that be exciting? I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be too excited about it. Matt Lafleur, who was a Rams uh, assistant, went to the Titans as an offensive coordinator. Titans really had a a sucky offense, and Blaine Gabbert played for a lot of those, so that doesn't help. But at the same time, I don't think it would inspire confidence to uh, make him my head coach. So there's another one I wouldn't be excited for. Cliff Kingsbury, as you said, while he's had good offensive systems in college. He's never really produced wins. And, and you know, while Texas Tech's never been really good anyways, uh, he did have, you know, Baker Mayfield and Pat Mahomes at one point. And uh, that didn't exactly work out for him. So there would be some reservations with, with Cliff Kingsbury also. So of the young guys that were hired, offensive side, I mean, Zach Taylor fits in right with him. We're only excited because it's new and different and young in, in offense. Otherwise, there wasn't really much to choose from. There wasn't some young offensive guy with a long list of coaching qualities and, and, and a pass that really makes you want to bang the table and say, that's my guy. There really wasn't one. Any of these guys were going to be sort of a shot in the dark or pulling a card from the correct deck. They got the right deck in front of them. They're pulling a card and taking a chance. And we won't know if it's, it's successful or not, but I'm happy they're at least pulling from the right deck and following the trend. It never feels good to to 
be third, fourth, or fifth in the trend in the line, right? You want to be the team that does it first and shows everyone how to do it. You want to be the Rams in this scenario. Um, and now it seems everyone's jumping on it really hard, and they did last year too. So you never want to be the team that's really far in the back. You feel like you're getting the bottom of the barrel when you do, do when you do this, and that could be the case. But uh, I think that's where some of the reservation comes from a lot of people is, is thinking, well, you, you probably missed the mark. You're probably better off going with a veteran guy or even a defensive guy. You probably get a better coach that's defensive right now. It's like a draft that's a weak quarterback class versus a strong defensive end class. And you need a quarterback, and so you take one in a weak class, but there was a better player on the board that was probably playing defensive end, but you bypassed it for a need. That feels like what the Bengals are in, that position of, well, we want an offensive young quarterback guy. So we, we pick that when there probably is someone better defensive out there. Yeah, I, I like that analogy, and I think it's true. Um, yeah, you're right, though. I think that this year, the Bengals, they picked a hell of a year to move on from Marvin because there were yeah. so many vacancies, and there was no clear-cut one. There was no clear-cut two. Josh McDaniel's up there. Obviously, there's reservations about him, um, but he declined the Bengals. And it outside of the Packers, I don't think he interviewed for another job. So uh, there just there wasn't much out there in proven offensive mind uh, – talent, I would say, to be a head coaching candidate. So I get that. That's why I was open to defense. Uh, I was open to Vic Fangio. I was open to, you know, whatever. And they didn't reach out to him. But I'm just saying, like, proven commodities in the NFL. And this is more an NFL thing than the Bengals. Uh, but but to me, like, I, I just wonder if the NFL as a whole is just getting burned here. If the Packers are going to burn themselves, if the Cardinals, if these teams are just – uh, hey, we need offense. We need offense when really, and I was talking to a former NFL player yesterday, and he's just like, man, I can't believe so many of these teams are going with so little experience. He's like, it's it's going to be hard on these young coaches to command the room. And, and, you know, if you're, even if you're Joe Mixon, right, and who's a young player on this Bengals offense, you're listening to Zach Taylor. I mean, early on, and I think this is the key. Taylor is going to have to command the room. I know there were concerns about Sean McVay, and I know that's a, a, a cliche, but Sean McVay and dealing with all these characters in the with the Rams that they brought in in personalities, he's done a good job of that even though he's a young coach. Part of that is having strong coordinators. But I think that's the key to everything. Because, sure, does he know... at a high level. But it's more than that if they're going to get the most out of the Bengals, if Taylor's going to do that. He's going to have to have all of the players respect, um, and they're going to have to believe in him. So I think early on, he's going to have to establish that. And I think that that's, that might be key. That might be the key to sure. him having success because there were times when Marvin Lewis, it felt like, and even though the players said the right things, you're telling me that Pac-Man Jones didn't know he could walk all over Marvin, that, that Vontez Burfecht knew he could shove a trainer and still walk off the field and get back in the game. You know what I'm saying? Like that that's just stuff and I know he didn't go back in that particular game, so don't freak out Twitter. But the point is is Vontez Perfect knew he could get away with stuff. Chad Johnson back in the day knew he could get away with stuff. And if Taylor's going to work, he needs to command the room and command the players' respect, especially since he's unproven. The resume isn't there. May, uh, unless he has a Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl this year, he's not going to be able to flash a Super Bowl ring at him to command respect. He's going to have to earn it, and that's going to have to happen early in this process. Especially coming from what feels like an undisciplined or unfocused Bengals team. So you're going to take a group that 
underperformed, and maybe they're hungry, so they want the change. You know, there is part of that, I guess, uh, now that I'm saying it out loud. But I would say also because they were undisciplined this year, real real bad penalties and, and really doing whatever they want for most of the year on defense uh, and unfocused for a lot of it, it, you have to come in and you have to change that culture. And you have to do it with respect and, and commanding the team. I think part of that is and why young guys sometimes have the success is because they surround themselves with with veteran coordinators that know the head coach is the head coach. And when players see their their position coach or their coordinator um, following the young head coach, they fall in line and then comes winning. And if you win, then everyone jumps in and is on board, right? So, you, and, and I use Mike Tomlin and he had Dick LeBeau as the defensive coordinator. So you there's, again, a young coach with someone who would command respect instantly in the locker room right by his side saying, this is our guy, guys, let's, you know, let's fall in. Um, so again, we're at the point where, well, who's the coordinators and who is who's surrounding him that's going to say, you guys better straighten up. This is your, this is the coach. Yeah, he may be the same age as some of our. Do we have anyone that's thirty-five on the Bengals right now? How, how, how old's Clark Harris? <laughs> Long snapper's yeah. not listening to the head coach, right? But um, but point is, and I've worked at jobs where I was a young person being the manager, and I had to talk to Clark Harris. Get, it will be thirty-five in July. Perfect. They, <laughs> but I've been in that role where I've had to direct and manage uh, people that are much older than me. And at first they do resist and maybe professional football players are different. Maybe they're not. They seem like regular humans for the most part. Um, they do resist. But when you can show them that, listen, I work hard, um, I've got our best interest and together we can succeed. People don't care how old you are and they, they, they fall in and, and, you know, hopefully it, it works out that way. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Real quick before we dive into the future and what it could mean for draft and all that stuff coming up. Um, did you want Eric Bieniemy? How? Because I know there are a lot of fans disappointed that it's not going to be him, at least according to these reports. And it, it feels that way. Again, I keep saying according to reports because nothing's official. Nothing's going to be official for probably a couple of weeks, assuming the Rams continue to advance in the playoffs. That Do we want the Rams to advance? I think they're going to be Dallas. Oh, I don't know. If Rams give up a lot on the ground. Dallas Here, is going to—he's going to chew that ground. They're going to chew the clock, and they're you gonna... keep bu- you keep buying the these teams that are uh, that are underdogs. You you told me the Colts the other day. The real Colts quick, might beat the Chiefs. I'll take the Chiefs and the Rams, but real. How quick, many points are you giving me? None. It's a playoff game. I don't care about points. Get, I, so you, about I, I have to take the two underdogs. All right, fine. What are the other two games? I get the I get the top dogs in those two games, and as long as that's I can fine. Take I, I, I think the, the Chargers win, so that's fine. You could take the Patriots. Okay, I'll take the Patriots, and I will take the who are the Eagles the playing? Saints. Saints. Yes. Okay, so I got the Patriots and the Saints, and right. that's fine. But uh, I, I think will, the Eagles are going to lose, but that's fine. I'll take yeah, Eagles, Eagles, Chargers, Rams, Chiefs. All right, and as long as I get the Colts and the Cowboys. That's fine. There you go. Joy, you're going to be wrong. Or we're going to go two for two. Right. (laughs) Um, Eric Biennemi, you bummed that he's not going to be the next Bengals head coach? You know what happens when you start to feel or hear or whatever that is, that feeling is, when you get close to any kind of news or signing or hiring. Yeah, your gut starts to say, I think it's Biennemi. And... um, so you start to convince yourself that, yeah, this would be good. I'm excited. This is cool. Same way when Zach Taylor is 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 getting leaked and you go, huh, okay, well, this could be all right. And I could get on board with this and this could work out. It's 
anytime it's someone different, it throws you through a loop because you spent an hour of your brain or maybe even a few days of your brain thinking of one guy and how that could work out that it, uh, it, it sets you back a little bit. So I'm, you know, I'm disappointed for Biennemi because, uh, I liked his personality, energy, and I liked the way he spoke at the podium when you did hear him. Uh, I didn't get that same feeling from a young uh, Zach Taylor. So, you know, just off what we can see from the outside, I liked the idea of Miami, and I thought working with uh, with how much he did work with um, Pat Mahomes was exactly what I'd like to see, and I, I liked the Chiefs' model and the way they went and attack quarterback position. So I thought he could bring some of that and maybe some insight on, on how that went down. Uh, but at the same time, honestly, it was – when I looked at it for the candidates that were remaining, I was most interested in Bienname, Monken, and Taylor. And I didn't care if they, any one of them, because they were the three guys that gave me what I was asking for. Yeah, I, I, I agree to a certain extent to me. And again, titles matter. I, as bad as it sounds, look, if you, if you skip levels, it's concerning, right? Because and call me old school here, but if you skip levels of, of your job, it's concerning. The one thing that would concern me about Biennemi is that he doesn't call plays for the Chiefs, right? Yeah. He's never been a play caller. So that worries me. But the fact that he's an offensive coordinator uh, in, in eases, name, in title. eases my concern a bit. And you could say in title all you want, but I think he probably has more responsibility than someone like Zach Taylor, period. Now, you might be wrong. I might be dead wrong. He might not work out. There might be a reason he's not going to get a head coaching job because it doesn't look like he is. Um, this year, maybe it'll be a, a year from now. Maybe he had specific demands that the Bengals didn't like. Who knows what it is, right? Maybe sure. he didn't even want the Bengals job because he knows what it was like to play there. Uh, everyone's like, oh, yeah, he knows what it's like to play there. He wants the job. Who knows? Yeah, is that a good thing? <laughs> right? Yeah, like maybe it was the other way. Maybe he's like, nah, dude, I'm going to wait and take another right. job because your roster, uh, your top guys are aging, declining, and you're not even going to draft a quarterback this year. You know, who knows? Um, but I, I initially, I was a little bummed, and I think it has more to do about title experience uh, playing in the NFL. I think that matters. I think that instantly commands the room. I talked about that. I, I think instantly if you're a player like, okay, he played And regardless, I promise you talk to a player and then watch a player talk to a former player. It is, it is so much harder when you haven't played in, and I know Taylor played in college fine, but that, when you haven't played at the professional level, and then you see someone who they might have just met, but a former player knows that the current player, uh, and they they know that each of them are, are NFL talent players at one point in their lives, the respect is instantly there. And so I think that that, that part of it was intriguing about the enemy too. So am I bummed? No, not really, because I had reservations about the enemy too. I, I'm not sure he's going to be a great head coach or a good head coach. Uh, but but I think there were qualities in parts of his resume that were more intriguing. Um, and I just wonder what was different because maybe it was because Zach Taylor was just so ready, his coordinator list, everything. He was so prepared and he's just a better candidate. It might be that simple. Uh, we're not in those interviews. Um, but I, I do get fan reaction of, ah, they wanted to be enemy. Uh, plus he's a former Bengal. It would have been a cool story. And I think part yeah. of that, the nostalgia of part of it, uh, would have been cool too, especially for fans. But, uh, Overall, I don't think, you know, there's a reason that the Bengals picked one over the other. And I don't think, and people are going to talk about race, I don't think it's that. I think the Bengals are no. the last organization that, that would make a pick a coach or do something like that. And I'm not saying there isn't that in 
in jobs or in the NFL because I think it is a factor in some instances. I don't think that's the case with the Bengals, though. So uh, was I bummed initially? Yes. But overall, uh, you know, be enemies a wild card in a roll of the dice, just like Zach Taylor is. Yeah, I had the same concerns with Taylor as I have with Bienemy, and it's not calling plays, and it's um, more for Bienemy is that he was a running back and a running back's coach, and, um, you know, how much passing game influence does he have in that system? Andy Reid's system has been good for a long time, and it's always been cutting edge. And then, again, again the same thing, follow, or chasing that Sean McVay. People have chased Andy Reid's assistants for a long time, and Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy, and now it'd be the enemy is that scraping the barrel, bottom of the barrel again. So I had many of the same concerns as that that I had with Taylor. So that's why I wasn't too uh, bummed out. I, I was more taken aback and then reevaluated that, as you said. Maybe maybe Zach Taylor killed that interview. I would assume he did. I would assume the guy who had the best interview probably got the job. That only makes sense, right? So he must have crushed it. And when I think of that, it gets me excited again. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast. Up next, what could Zach Taylor mean for Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, the Bengals offense, the draft? Joe and I will talk about that next. But first, a word from my bookie, because where you bet, just as important as who you're betting on. Joe and I just went back and forth about the NFL divisional round in the playoffs. You know who's going to win. So go to my bookie online right now and win big today. They have in-game betting, live betting, prop bets. If you're looking for a place to wager on the Super Bowl in a few weeks, my bookie is where it's at. And right now, they're going to match your initial deposit up to 50% of free money. You want free money? Who doesn't want free money? And you could take that money and use it to win more. And you do that with promo code locked on 25. So go to my bookie online right now. Bet on the NFL divisional round. They got NBA. They uh they got Major League Baseball. It's right around the corner. Obviously, college hoops as well. March Madness in a couple months. Go to my bookie online. Subscribe now. If you haven't been there yet, you've heard me talk about it all season long. They have a really awesome mobile site that is super easy to use. It's not an app that's glitchy. It's the site. So you just go there on whatever browser you use on your phone. It's super easy. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON25. Get uh, get some free money. Use it to win big today. You play, you win, you get paid with my bookie. Don't forget, promo code LOCKEDON25. This is Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? 
No, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with my bookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. And the best part is, at MyBookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at MyBookie. And when you do, use promo code LOCKEDON to get your deposit matched halfway, all the way up to 1000 bucks. The terms are simple. You put in $200, they'll match you with another $100 in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at MyBookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't wanna do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash Dell EMC. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. It's almost like sometimes before you even get in the industry, it's like you set up to fail. And there's so many moments where you can win, and the winning is great, but it's so many things that you go through to get to the win. And so much more who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to the next level, changed their life, overlooked to being overbooked. When I was recording the song, I already knew it was going to be a global hit. And I'm not joking, my G. I really felt it inside of me. I was like, I just can't wait to see a number one. Join me every Thursday with the first one drops only on Amazon Music. Let's go. We want the best of both worlds. We want a hybrid. A smarter hybrid cloud approach with IBM helps retailers manage supply chains with Watson AI while predicting demands with ease. The world is going hybrid with IBM. Visit ibm.com slash hybrid cloud. Joe, Zach Taylor can win me over. Okay. Zach Taylor could totally win me over. And this is how. And I think this is a big reason. Um, I, I'm tired, tired, and more tired of talking about an offense that doesn't know how to use Joe Mixon. I'm tired and tired and tired of talking about an offense that doesn't know how to use John Ross. I'm so exhausted of talking about Andy Dalton and the offensive line and how they could scheme around it and how they have it. And yes, they need to improve the offensive line. And yes, you know, they need to do all these things. But to me, the one thing Zach Taylor can do is get the most out of their players, out of his players. I, I can't remember the last time. It was 2015. The last time the Bengals got the most out of their talent. Um, and they didn't do that last year. They didn't do that the year before. They didn't do that the year prior to that. And I'm just, it bothers me. And to me, next year, Joe Mixon, John Ross, obviously Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green goes without saying, 
I want to get the most out of those guys, and hopefully Zach Taylor can be the guy that does it. That does feel like the goal, doesn't it? And and maybe one of the biggest um, questions or you know what you're trying to answer in in the interview process and when you're gathering candidates and, and looking at this roster and looking at fits for potential coaches would, would probably be we need to get the more out of most of these guys. And that, that includes everyone, man, from quarterback to offensive line to tight ends and running backs and receivers. Plenty of these guys felt like they played – below what we we expected outside of Tyler Boyd. And for the most part, Joe Mixon, in terms of running, it, when they went to him, you know, in, in half the games, it, it felt. Uh, but when you look, and I, I compare Joe Mixon and Todd Gurley's stats from their first two years, same age, two, 21 and 22, um, and they were very similar in per-game stats, and they weren't using the passing game enough. And you look at when Sean McVay got to the Rams, and obviously that makes me look at at the production um, increase for Todd Gurley. And it went from a half a touchdown every game to a full touchdown every game rushing. It went from no touchdowns receiving to one every three games receiving to, to uh, two and a half more catches a game to 45 more receiving yards per game to 25 more rushing yards per game. He got into MVP numbers when a good offensive coach came in and used him correctly. And obviously we know what happened with Jared Goff. We know how the receivers have all exploded there. The offensive line looks looks like a good unit. Totally as a whole, the Rams look fantastic after they got there. So that has been the goal. And it's not just them. I mean, we could use the Eagles and Doug Peterson too and see how, how they've been able to use their, their guys. And um, that is the goal. And that is the hope. And that's the excitement. If you can unlock John Ross, and if you can get A.J. Green to, to be – um, who he was for a handful of games this year. But, you know, he, there's there's times where you just don't see A.J. Green because they don't go to him. Uh, or the tight ends. I feel like Uzama and Croft could be even better than they, what they've shown. And they've shown to be capable number two types. But Agreed. I think they could be a little bit more. There's some times where you're like, man, you know, tight ends have one catch today. What's going on? Or the running backs combined for three catches for, for three yards. And you're, you're like, man, you're just wasting an opportunity to really exploit defenses. And nothing really kills defenses like tight ends and running backs do in, in the league right now. And slot receivers, we saw them use Boyd. and Boyd was used fantastically. I thought their plan for him was great. And we've mentioned that plenty of times. He's probably one of the few guys on offense we felt played above what we expected. Um, there's still a lot to unlock in this offense. And if they do, I mean, I think there's enough talent on this offensive side of the ball. If they can get a right guard or right tackle, maybe Christian Westerman gets some fresh eyes and he's your starting right guard. And I even got a good starting guard because he's played that way. That looks that way. If they draft a right tackle in the second, third round, first round, even um, that's, it's this, that's an offensive unit that if they're used correctly and now we have hope that they can be, can carry you to a playoff in, in in the first year. And I don't think that's crazy based on how they've invested on that side of the ball. And and that's why when I've made this case, when people say, well, don't draft a quarterback this year, draft one next year or the year after when the quarterback classes are better. And my response is, are you expecting to be 2-14? and 14? Because, I mean, honestly, if, if Taylor's the guy, we shouldn't be picking top 12 anymore. We should be back to where, where we expect the Bengals to be because there is enough talent on this team if they can add a few more pieces. So um, that's why I've, I've pushed that too this year, that this may be the, the chance based on where they sit and based on Andy Dalton's age and contract and and getting a new offensive guy in here with with fresh eyes on the team. And if he unlocks it and gets them where they need to be, this may be your one chance to to find a young guy. Yeah, I, I, and, and that's that's the exciting part about this. And that's why I'm keeping an open mind. Look. Um, I will give you, and it's kind of ironic, honestly, that I'm the young guy saying how, 
young guys need to be more proven and the resume needs to be more built to, to have career advancement, et cetera. Right. Because the last thing I want is my resume to have 8,000 skins on the wall before I continue to get opportunities in my work. And, and we're all that way. Um, but I, I think the fun part about this is, is hopefully he can unlock Mixon. That's the key. Uh, moving forward, as great as AJ Green is, I don't want it to be stale uh, in a, a stagnant offense if AJ Green isn't producing for whatever reason, whether he's getting double teamed, the defense is taking him away, whatever. It needs to be Joe Mixon. He needs to kind of be the bell cow, the guy that takes the reins on the offense and be Todd Gurley because the Rams. That's it. That's their offense. Say what you want about Jared Goff. Say what you want about all the weapons they have. But honestly, the the two most important outside of the quarterback, obviously, people in that offense, to me, uh, it's Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, and then Cooper Cup was huge, too. So I look at the Bengals. They have all three of those. Tyler Boyd can be Cooper Cup. Joe Mixon is Todd Gurley. They've got Brandon Cooks. Jared Goff. uh, Yeah, Jared Goff isn't. Um, is it light years ahead of Andy Dalton? I think he's better, but I don't think he's light years ahead of him. They're on um, the same spectrum, so it's not crazy. It, Brandon Cooks, you would say, is AJ Green? Are you going to say John Ross? Ross. I, I would I, because I, of how I, they I use would Cooks. I hope that too, but even though I'm optimistic about Ross, I think Cooks plays stronger. Now, that might just be sure. because he played for the Saints and Sean Payton and he played for the the Patriots and Bill Belichick and he played you know he's ne- he's always had coaches that believed in him and I don't know if Marvin Lewis ever did uh and I don't think he did so maybe maybe that is true because Ross has talent man you've seen it I've seen it he knows it too people question all these things and I'm like if a coaching staff can get behind him I think the sky's the limit for him so yeah maybe he can be Brandon Cooks who Really, in the Rams' offense, isn't a focal point. He's a he's the cherry right. on top. He's the icing. He's a guy that that makes big plays, but he's not the focal point. And, and, and he so, opens it up for the other guys too. Exactly, the so way they exactly. motion so, him, way they bring him on crossing routes, on play action. He opens it up often. Yeah, so I, I think Ross can he be that? Absolutely. So hopefully Zach Taylor can mold this offense to what he's done. Uh, or, or what McVay's done, obviously, but what he's seen the Rams do, and he's been a part of over the past year. The other thing to me that is important, and it's what was intriguing to me about Bienemy. Obviously, him being in Kansas City, he's seen what Patrick Mahomes, what drafting him, even though they had a proven quarterback in Alex Smith, what drafting someone like that can do for the organization firsthand this year, what it can do. That to me is the key for this Bengals team. And I've heard, in as critical as you and I have been, I've heard the front office knows it. I've heard the front office realizes, all right, we don't want to pay Andy Dalton $30 million. He's got two years left on his deal. We need to draft a quarterback. So fine. They decided it wasn't Lamar Jackson. Okay, fine. What about the 11th pick? Because I think that 11th pick, if things work out and you have your quarterback or or you have your coach of the future, like you say, you're not going to be picking early again in 2020, you're not going to be picking early enough to get Trevor Lawrence in 2021. So if you have your head coach, I think you need to be open now to drafting a quarterback extremely early. And even if you love Andy Dalton, he's got two years left on his deal. You have to realize the Bengals need a backup plan. To me, that's whoever it is. It needs to be the 11th pick or maybe consider moving up a couple picks, a couple spots and yeah. getting the guy who can be the, the heir to Andy Dalton's throne. And you got to think, if two years left on Dalton's deal, if you want to get value for him, and you would, you would get picks for, for Dalton or a player. Uh, Alex Smith was traded for a third and a nickel corner, which is 
fine. You know, um, if you want to get value for him and not just let him walk in free agency in two years, because people say, well, you, we well, can draft one next year. Well, Bengals may have the 16th, 20th, 25th pick. You know, as we said, that's that's not where you want to draft a quarterback. They're on the fringe of the blue chip players um, this year. While it may not be a great class, that's why we have to evaluate them. They told us it wasn't a great class in 2017, uh, James. Remember, they told us, everyone told us that wasn't a good class with Trubisky, Watson, yep. and Mahomes. And I'm not saying this class will be that. But we'll, the point is you have to still evaluate these guys and see which one are going to be franchise quarterbacks. And so that's what I'm in the process of doing because I do feel like this is the year. If you want to get value for Dalton, if you don't want to pay him that contract, you do it this year. You sit that guy for a season or six games, eight games, 10, 12, whatever it takes, you know, depending on how the season goes. And then you trade Dalton and you still get value and you plug in a starter next year and you keep this thing rolling with this young group. You look at this team and the roster and the talent is the the key, the, the core Big hitters are all older, except for like Boyd and and and, and Mixon. Um, you know, on defense and William Jackson too. But you know, we're still running off of that 2011 draft of Dalton and Green and, and Clint Bowling, and before that with, with uh, Dunlap and Atkins. That group is getting much older. While some of them are signed for the next phase, uh, the the core group is young. The core group that you're going to win with, that Zach Taylor is going to win with, is not Andy Dalton and AJ Green. It's not. It's not Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, even though they're signed. It's going to be Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd and hopefully John Ross. And it's going to be Billy Price. And it's going to be Carl Lawson and Sam Hubbard and William Jackson and, and Jesse Bates. That's the group. That's the group we have to focus on. And when you focus on the next phase, Zach Taylor's group. You say, well, they don't have a young quarterback to lead that group. And that's so it's it, it could be you could love Andy Dalton and you should still come to the same conclusion that this is the time to draft a quarterback. Yeah. And I think that's the most exciting thing to me. And honestly, looking at this personnel and who they have, and I know you, we talked about Jones and Haskins yesterday, uh, but just because, and I, honestly, I, I'll be honest with you, we're going to talk draft somehow in some medium or another. There's there's going to be a way where Joe Goodberry and James Arpin continue to, to talk draft, even though it might not be on Lockdown Bengals. Um, that being said, Joe, uh, sorry, I just committed you to talking draft with me uh, in a public forum, so we're going to figure that part and out. And you know I hate that. Yeah, it's it's the worst. It's your, your least favorite thing to do. Um, right. But you know who's really, really intriguing? And I know he's a little. But Kyler Murray, in, in this modern-day off, to me, he's athletic enough to be Russell Wilson. He's not Lamar Jackson. Um, because Lamar Jackson reminded me of Michael Vick. That was my yeah, cop, not Robert Griffin. Robert Griffin was a, a track star, straight-line runner who had a good arm. Like, that's yeah. that's how I viewed him. Uh, Lamar Jackson, more Michael Vick. Yeah. And in Kyler Murray is Russell Wilson. Now, is he tall? No. Uh, he's shorter than Wilson, but he's such a freak athlete. Like to me, if you're athletic and you have a great arm and you're accurate and you have all the intangibles, like, I don't know, man, I think Kyler Murray could have success at the pro level. And if you're talking about young, innovative minds and, and you really want to be on the forefront of things and you want to see the Bengals organization be different, then they would seriously look at Kyler Murray. Now, maybe that isn't the guy they end up with. Maybe they don't consider him, but I think there's a chance he's there at 11. Uh, maybe he's not, but I think there's a chance he's there at 11 because teams are going to look at his height and just take him off their board or drop him down their board. And the old school teams will, and that's okay. It, we don't want to be with them. Correct. Exactly. So to me, I, that that would say a lot about Zach Taylor. That would say a lot about the Bengals organizations organization if they were even open to drafting a guy like Kyler Murray because I think he could have a lot of success 
maybe right away, honestly, maybe not even a, a year from now behind Dalton, maybe right away. I think he has the tools. I think he'd have the weapons around him. You might, you might draft him and then trade Dalton and, and that'd be it, you know, and just roll with him going into 2019. And I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like a hot take. I don't really think it is, though. I don't think it's crazy at all to say, you know, I think when Kyler Murray declared that he was going to participate in the NFL draft and pursue an NFL career, it changed the dynamic of this quarterback class drastically. Uh, and because he is, I thought there was maybe three, maybe four guys already that could go in the first round. You had a a fifth guy that could go before all of them, to be honest, because he is the new age. He is, people are going to watch him and say, he does what Patrick Mahomes does. He creates off script. He can move and throw on the fly and it doesn't affect him. He's got in, insane deep arm and accuracy that uh, will unlock your offense. And, and if your offensive line has issues, he's going to make it look better because he can avoid the rush, unlike a Dwayne Haskins can. So people are going to look at it and say, well, he, yeah, he's short. But he's got pretty much everything else we want. And, you know, a lot for quarterbacks is when you bring them in, you you break down the offense with them and the playbook with them, and you see what they've got mentally because that is a, a huge portion, if not the biggest portion, of being a quarterback. And I can't answer that yet because I'm still just started on my Kyler Murray. I'm only a few games in. And I w- would like to, you know, as, as the draft season goes on, you get reports and information and analytics that help you, um, you know, curate your, your, your idea of, of a prospect. So I'm still not. 100% on Kyler Murray, but I like the idea that he's in the draft, that it gives me an exciting, fun, young guy. And honestly, when you go through it and it's it's Murray and Haskins and Drew Locke and um, Daniel Jones and Will Greer, four out of five of those guys are future offense types where they're going to move and make plays and they can throw off different platforms and, and a defense that, you know, it's sometimes it's rock, paper, scissors in, in the NFL defense has rock and you've got scissors. Well, Andy Dalton's taking the sack or, or throwing it away on third down. These guys are, well, here, I've got something else here to try and open it up and try and move it around or try and, you know, win on the second phase of it or off script. Four out of five of those guys are like that. And that's exciting because that's that they're on a different spectrum than Dalton is. I think Haskins is on the Dalton spectrum and that's not a bad thing. Tom Brady is on the Dalton spectrum too. Uh, I'm just saying if you want a Mahomes uh, or, or Baker Mayfield, those other four guys are on that spectrum from Greer to Locke to Jones and Murray. So um, it Bengals are going to sit there at 11 and there will be a quarterback there. One of them that they're probably interested in. And if they love a guy, if they love one and see one and want to move up for one and, uh, the other one I thought of was if Press Taylor, who is Zach Taylor's brother, comes over as a coordinator or in a position. He was there when they traded up for for um, Carson Wentz. And so he saw that firsthand of how aggressive the Eagles were to get in position, trading up twice to make sure they got to that spot to get the guy they believed would be the best quarterback in a class where people thought, yeah, this is a weak class again. So, um, you know, there is some precedent there if that happens to think that that they could be convinced of it. But I, I like you said earlier, that the, I think the organization knows I think part of the questioning in the interview was probably, what do we do at quarterback? Can we get Dalton to play better? And can you develop the next guy? And the answer should be the and part. And can you do both? Because they're in that position to where they need to start looking at it. Yeah, absolutely they do. And to me, for those who probably, you know, a lot of people probably haven't seen Oklahoma football. And if they have, it's been very brief. Here's what I would describe him as. And I know he's short, but he he drops 60-yard dimes. Like the dude can throw. Um, he obviously can run, and here's the thing. It's not like he has to run. It's not like he that you you have to design a bunch of runs for him the way Lamar Jackson ran 
in the playoff game or whenever you watched him. He's a much better thrower than Lamar. And I don't think he takes many hits. Like to me, he reminds me of like a, like when he runs the football, he's almost like Darren Sproles, where right. he's like ten yards out of bounds, seven yards dives. You know, in a and it's only glancing blows because he's so elusive. So even when he does get a hit on him, it's barely just a hip a hit off his hip, or you know, barely just a glance off him. Then he goes down. And yes. He's smart when he when he runs. Exactly. So to me, like people are going to say RG3 or people are going to say whoever. And he just, he doesn't take those kind of hits. So even though he's five, nine and I, I'm, I think that's what he is. I know people Russell are going to say Wilson is the comp. Correct. And it is. that, that to me is exactly what I want in the, the new age of offense. So Kyle and if Murray, it was five years ago, intriguing. like when Wilson came out, Murray goes in the third round like Wilson does. Mm-hmm. And and Wilson goes if you know if if it was still the Wilson goes in the third round every time everyone knew the talent Wilson had everyone knew he um, was had a strong arm was accurate was mobile had the intelligence that you want at quarterback he was a first ever you read you can bring up the top one hundred draft sites I bet ninety of them said if Wilson was six three he'd be a first round lock he may be the first overall pick I bet you can find that all over all of them teams are like let's not make that mistake again. We knew he would would be good because he had every trait but the one we uh we value maybe overvalue his height for quarterback. When you look at stats and being a smaller quarterback doesn't increase your injury, it doesn't increase your batted balls because we see guys like Joe Flacco lead the league in batted balls and he's six foot seven. It it's all about our release arm angles, opening up passing windows by moving in the pocket. Drew Brees is barely six foot and he may be a shade under. These guys, I think he's can, a shade under. I saw I him earlier shade, this year. Yeah. At Paul Brown Stadium, I, and I'm like five nine and a half on a good day, and it, it it's we're we were close enough in height where I wasn't looking up to him, and I have to look up to Andy Dalton, and I have to look up to to most NFL athletes. So yeah, he's I, I'd say he's a shade under. Shut up. <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. You <laughs> tree, you're Auden Tate. You tree. I can't move. That's fine. I'm tall, but I can't move. I, I'll take it. Auden Tate. <laughs> we love Auden Tate around here, right? Don't do not do that. I'm just. You caught him a tree the day they drafted. Anyway, keep going. I don't know where it was. Yeah, it, Dra- but, draft Kyler Murray. Fun. 2018. 19. Yes. 2019. Kyler Murray. Yeah. You want to get me excited? Players get me more excited than coaches. Yeah. I, honestly, players get me excited because players are the one making the plays. Players are the one that are they're thriving and having success. So that to me. Um, is the most intriguing thing about Zach Taylor and a new coaching regime is how it impacts the Bengals' philosophy in the draft, in free agency, and it should certainly be interesting for the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe, before we close it, any uh, any other thoughts about Zach Taylor? Any other thoughts uh, before we close up shop? No, just that um, you know I don't know when I'll be on this podcast next or who the host was next. And James, I appreciate you for bringing me on the past couple of years and talking Bengals football and giving me a platform. Absolutely. No, it's been uh, a ton of fun. Thank you, Joe, for, for coming on. I remember when I shot you the original text. It's like, hey, man, or it might have even been a DM. Uh, hey, I'm thinking about doing a weekly film review. Would you mind uh, coming on and being the guy who does that on, on Locked on Bengals? And it's when it first started, you know, a couple weeks in. And I'm like, oh, well, I've, I've went back and forth with Joe on Twitter. And from then on, you know, it's taken off and it's been so, so much fun. So I, I've enjoyed it. it. It's one of my favorite things to do in this business is sit down with Joe Goodberry for our weekly film reviews. I'm going to cry. It's sad that we're not going to have those. Ever again. I'm never going to talk to you again, actually. Yeah, never again. This is the last time <laughs> James and Joe or Joe and James talk to each other. But uh, no, I'm going to make you visit Cleveland. What are you talking about? Hey, that's not far from me. I can get there in about two and a half hours. Yeah. We should have went to the week 17 game. 
Or next w- next year we can do that. We can seriously plan on that. Who they play? When was it? Was that week sixteen or seventeen? Either 16. way, yeah, we'll do that next year. Yeah, absolutely, we can do that. So let's uh, let's do that. And uh, yeah, for more on on locked on Bengals, there will uh, there will be an announcement. There's still a lot up in the air. Um, unfortunately, this is the end of the road for me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, for subscribing. I promise I don't hate the Bengals, even though I've had fun with it on Twitter for the past couple of weeks. Uh, and I might continue to because it's fun. Laugh. It's okay. Um, I hope Zach Taylor has success. I hope the Bengals have success. And uh, I hope they draft uh, a quarterback early because how much fun would that be? Um, Joe? The most fun. It would be so much fun. And, and how fitting is it that the last podcast of Lockdown Bengals is, is us talking? I, I enjoyed every moment of it. Um, a new podcast will be launching soon. With me on it, I'm excited. Uh, I can't wait to tell you about it. Uh, the details are still getting ironed out. Um, so when that launches, I will certainly tweet it out. I will certainly let you know, and I hope you follow me there. I hope you still listen to Locked on Bengals, whoever the host is. And, well, that's going to do it for me. So on a Friday, signing off, I'm James Erpine. Joe, thank you. Make sure you check out Joe's work in The Athletic. Does great work, as always. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Follow me on Twitter, at James Erpine. And until uh, until the new podcast launches, I'm James Rapine signing off for the final time here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.